Good evening, brethren. It is good to be with you once again. Before we begin this evening, let us go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to you for the time you've afforded us to come together in thy name. We pray that the things that are heard here this evening might be in accordance with your will and might be an edification to all that are present. Give me the guidance that I need to present your word in such a way that it would be accurate and true. Forgive us in all things, we pray in Christ Jesus. Amen. The last time I was up here, some of you may remember that I spoke about where you are and where you're headed. And we talked a little bit about those different times. This morning, John spoke and began with Acts the 8th chapter, verses 1 through 3. And when he said that, it reminded me, of course, about the previous verses about Stephen being stoned to death. I want us to consider a couple things. I'm speaking tonight about spiritual growth. When Stephen was stoned, it wasn't just the individual that was being attacked. I believe that it was a much broader picture that was being painted. Stephen was stoned for his expression of his faith, for the representation of the church, for Jesus Christ, and a much larger picture than just Stephen. Stephen being persecuted and killed was a reflection of the persecution of the church. The church today is not under any such attack. I can speak to you freely this evening. I can say that whatever I, I want to say, preach God's word, give you admonishments, and not be in fear of any harm. As an individual, that's true. As a church, that's true. But are we under persecution today? I say yes, we are. In our political society, we're under attack in many different ways, especially internationally. Are we, as individuals, under any particular attack? I suggest we are. And who is our enemy? I would suggest to you that our enemy is, is likely ourselves. Stephen was stoned to death as an individual with the broad persecution of the church. We don't have that fear, and we can worship freely. But if we're not growing in our faith and exercising our faith, we are hurting ourselves. We are battling against ourselves. We have to take the stand that wherever we are in our faith is what we ought to be doing with ourselves. And this falls back on where are we and where are we headed. When we look at where we are in our life as a Christian, what is your responsibility? What is your stature and your status as a Christian? Some of us are younger men. Some of us are older men. Some are new in the faith, and that has no bearing on age. Because I know some people who have been baptized into Christ that are 50, 60 years old. They're grown, mature men, but they're babes in Christ. We're going to look at Hebrews in a little while, but you're all familiar with Hebrews where it teaches about 
growing and where some ought to be teachers and some are babes in Christ and using milk and strong meat. And we'll look at that briefly in just a little while. I'll interact just a little bit if I may. How many of you guys or gals were military at some point? Only one? Two? I'm surprised. Well, I guess in Sunday morning we have a lot of military people here. You have a rank? What's your rank? Staff sergeant. Staff sergeant. Did you start out as a staff sergeant? What did you start out as? Specialist. Specialist. You join the Army, what do you start out as? You're a buck private. You're a nothing. But if you've been in the Army for a very long time, chances are by the time your 20, 30 years come along, you're going to be an officer, you're going to be well advanced, you're going to be specialized in some way. But when you go into the Army, you start out in boot camp. It's not very much different for Christians. We come in as babes in Christ not knowing, and we learn as we go along, and we grow through the ranks, if I can use that term loosely. You learn the Word of God. You exercise your faith. You become stronger. And then... Soldiers of Christ arise, like the song says, because you're going to be a soldier defending the word of God, giving presentation to those around about you. But you don't go from boot camp to Green Beret in a day. And we don't go from a new baby in Christ to an elder in the church in a day either. Spiritual growth. My daughter has three grandsons. And I am just busting my buttons about how much I love and am proud of my grandsons. They were at our house yesterday for, for quite a while. And they live 10 minutes away from us, but we don't see them that often. So if it goes a few weeks, you can actually see the spurts of growth sometimes, the physical growth, and sometimes the intellectual growth, and their speech and things like that. Guy a couple doors down from me just got a puppy right before Christmas. Mary and I were sitting by the window uh, yesterday or Friday looked out the window, and Matt came walking with his little puppy. Well, his little puppy, since Christmas, is this baby. His physical growth has been tremendous in just four, small, four short weeks. We as people enjoy a physical life. We have different statures. We're all born as babes, generally between four and ten pounds or so, depending on your stature, things like that. But we all start as babes. Your businesses. I happen to work for a company full-time. I also own two businesses. My businesses grow as I work them. I don't start a business and it just, there it goes, it grows on its own and I manage it. I have to work at my business. The blessings enjoyed in Christ that we have not only include redemption, free from our sins, but re renewal from baptism, which we rise to walk in the newness of life, Romans 6, 4. Therefore, we're buried with him in baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in a newness of life. The renewal we find in Christ involves the concept of spiritual growth. Just as a healthy physical life is one of growth, so is a spiritual life a process. Sadly, not all of us grow spiritually. Many Christians have been around for years as Christians have not grown as perhaps we should. They don't make much change, have little improvement. They are no more and often less useful to the Lord than when they first became Christians. 
because as we see them, we look and say, gosh, you've been a Christian so long and we perceive them as being weak or we perceive them as not doing very much. Now, we don't know what goes on in their lives and we shouldn't make a judgment on it because you just don't know. However, you can, you can see pretty handily. Failing to grow, we become as stagnant as a pool of water. Sometimes I feel that here, with all due respect to Annapolis, when we see a dozen of us here on Sunday. We see fewer sometimes on Sunday mornings. It hurts me inside to see that. And I want us to get better with our attendance, better with our strength, better in the growing spiritually of this congregation, as well as physically in the number count. Why is that? Why is it sometimes we don't grow? I suggest to you that it is because spiritual growth is a choice. It doesn't happen by default, unlike the physical. The puppy in four weeks has been fed. He drinks water. He runs and gets his exercise like a puppy. He bites on things, but he grows. He has no choice. He's going to grow. My daughter has a six-month-old baby. Jennifer will soon have a baby. The baby will be four to ten pounds, depending on your stature, the growth of the baby, and et cetera, et cetera. But in, let's say, next Christmas, your old baby's not going to be four to ten pounds. It's not going to have a choice. You're going to feed it. It's going to grow. We pray to God that it's going to be healthy and all things are good. Spiritual growth, like emotional maturity, only occurs when we choose to grow. If we don't make that choice and stick to it, there won't be any spiritual growth amongst ourselves, both individually or as a group. Let me refer back to the, to the Buck Private. The Buck Private is one man beside another man In the church, we are one, man, woman, man, woman, man, woman, man, woman, and grow into a body of Christ. As those soldiers move forward and grow in knowledge, in strength, in unity, because they have to work together, because once you move up in the, in the military, you fellas know you've got to have each other's back, and you've got to depend on each other for your very existence. We, in spiritual growth, are going to need the same thing in the church. If we want to grow this congregation as we would like it to be, then we as man, 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 woman, man, man, woman, man, 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 we as individuals must grow ourselves to strength and stature through the knowledge of the word, through the expression of our faith, and through action. And what are those actions? To encourage us to make the right decision regarding spiritual, spiritual growth. Consider the spiritual growth is commanded. It's a choice that is commanded by God. This command is implicitly stated in the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 reads, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Go is a verb. Go is a command of action. Go, therefore, and teach. This is what you do. We cannot do these things unless we proactively stand up, move ourselves with what we've learned, no matter how small, 
or how great, because once you're baptized, if you have enough knowledge and information within to get into that baptistry and be baptized by somebody, you have enough knowledge or should have enough knowledge to teach the next man, the next one, or the next person you come in contact with. Jesus commanded his apostles to make disciples, to baptize, and to teach. And this isn't just from the exercise of the knowledge and the teaching. It's also the interaction with other people. When you build a fire, you put a bunch of sticks together. You can't start one stick and have a good fire. You've got to put a bunch of sticks together. And together they blow and warm more properly. And if you remove one stick or one piece of coal and set it aside by itself, it goes out. And so do we. So do we. We have to be mindful to interact with one another, both in teaching, in hospitality, in environment, in caring for one another, and all those different things. And he commanded explicitly in 2 Peter 3.18, and you'll see this verse used several times this evening, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. We're to grow in the knowledge of Jesus. Peter began his second epistle in 2 Peter 1, describing how we are to grow. In verses 5 through 8, he said, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brother, brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you, and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We must add to our faith such virtues, knowledge, self-control, discipline. Discipline to control ourselves and dis discipline to exercise our faith. Abounding in these graces being fruitful implies growth. Generally, only developed branches produce fruit. With Christ, it's a little bit different. You can start producing fruit from the very day you become a Christian, from the very day you learn the knowledge and you, be, you are in him. And how do we do that? As an aside from the sermon, Acts the second chapter, verse 38 says, Repent and be baptized, each of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. gift of the Holy Spirit is where he indwells himself in us, where he helps us to communicate with God. He gives us inspiration. He gives us direction. And through him, through God of heaven and through Jesus Christ, his son, we can do these things. The Christians who didn't grow in Hebrews 5 were called out. They were told when the time come, you ought to be teachers. You have need that one teacheth you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such that have need of milk and not strong meat. For every everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. I think that everyone here tonight is not a babe. 
And some by far out of eight. Some have served as elders. Some have served as deacons. Some have been strong men in the, in the faith, even in this congregation for years. But we all have the capability of producing. He says, strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. That says to me, if you're not exercising, you're not getting strong. When you go to the gym, you move the weights. When you walk or run, you move your legs, and you move them pretty quick. We have to do the same thing. We have to take our spiritual legs and walk and teach others, interacting with other people. They were sternly rebuked. Sometimes I feel the same way. I feel sometimes that this passage writes to me. I've been in the church over 40 years. Sometimes I'm complacent. Sometimes I have a little apathy. I just don't care. Sometimes I can't get enough. And I suppose that we've all had those feelings. We're all human. We've all been around the church for a lot of years. It's, it's a tough place to be sometimes. The spiritual growth isn't an option. It is not an option. Nor is it reserved for a few select Christians. How many times have we heard that 20% of the people do 80% of the work? More than once? It's not reserved for those 20%. It's reserved for every one of us, and God commands that growth in us. We should also remember that spiritual growth is a choice that requires diligent effort, not just passive, not just on occasion. This is unlike the physical growth where people grow physically because of de default unless there's a disorder of some kind. No effort's required on our part. We mature physically whether we want to or not. Some of us grow a little more physically than we really should, but we all grow physically. We have no choice in that. Don't think that just because you grow older, you're growing spiritually. Spiritual growth requires a concentrated effort. Jesus said that it requires labor. In John 6, 27, labor not for the meat which perished, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of God, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him that hath God the Father sealed. Paul wrote that it requires work and pressing on. In Philippians 2.12, he said, Wherefore, my beloved as, beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. Figure it out and get it going. Don't be sitting around. Peter wrote that it requires diligence. Besides this, giving all diligence, 1 Peter 1, 5 through 10. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue, knowledge, temperance, presence, the things that we read. He tells us this. Like physical health, spiritual growth requires regular exercise. Now, how many of us exercise regularly physically? I'm glad you do. I don't, I should. But if you do exercise regularly, you recognize when you're strong, you're healthier, your mind is better, you think clearer, you're able to interact with others better. So many more things happen positively when we exercise our physical bodies. And I say to you that if we exercise our spiritual bodies, we will be in a much better place, much better place. 
And we'll be able to accomplish more for the Lord than we ever thought imaginable. Because inside of each of us, there is that person of strength who once it's unleashed can have a tremendous impact on those around us. But Jesus did say that it requires labor. Paul, Paul wrote that it requires work. Peter wrote in 2 Peter 1, 5, and 10 that it requires diligence. Spiritual growth is not always easy. We have to work at it today, tomorrow, and always. But we can take comfort in this. Sounds like a lot I've put on us so far, right? It's all me. It's all me. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. You have to do this. But the best part of all of it, once you're baptized and the spirit is in us, spiritual growth is a choice that is assisted by God himself. We're not alone in our efforts. While we work out our salvation, God is at work in us. Philippians, the second chapter, verses 12 and 13. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but, not, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God desires us to complete the work he started when he saved us. Philippians 1, verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. How much better could it be for us to know that we have this responsibility and we can lean on him to help us all along the way? We're strengthened by God in our efforts. He strengthens us by his spirit in our inner man. Ephesians 3.16 that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. He's right there for us. He's right there for us every time. He empowers us with unimaginable power that's within. I don't think we've ever come to the full potential of our ability to serve God on this earth. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him that is able... To him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. He works in us and he provides the armor for us to stand strong. How familiar are we with Ephesians 6? And if you've been in the church a year or more, you know the verses that say, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And I love that song. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the walls of the devil. I've been talking about offense. We need to learn. We need to strengthen. We need to be the army of the Lord. But why do we use these tools? Because we're not an offensive bunch, because we are a defensive bunch. We defend the word of God in the wiles of Satan. And he gives us the helmet of salvation and the sword and all the things that we learn in Ephesians 6 over all these years to defend ourselves against those evil things and to defend the very word of God himself. There's no excuse for us not to grow, for Christ strengthens us. In Philippians 
We love to say this, but do we really reach down and grasp what the meaning of this verse is? I can do all things through Christ, which strengthened me. All things, no limitations. No limitations. With God our, as our age, spiritual growth is possible and not mediocre growth. I don't think this is ju just something that we can go passe and passively say, well, okay, I'm, I'm doing my work. I'm, I'm getting it done like we're on our job and putting in our nine to five. It doesn't work that way. Spiritual growth can come to us beyond the limits we could ever imagine. Each and every one of us. <sighs> Finally, let us remember that this growth is a choice that is blessed by God. The blessings begin in this life. 2 Peter 3.18 But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. As we grow, we experience the blessings of this grace. Such as peace with God, rejoicing in hope. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope and the glory of God. We have the ability. We have the responsibility. We have the command. So let's do it. When we grow, we experience the blessings, the virtue, the knowledge, the self-control and all, et cetera, et cetera, that, that we've spoken of for our faith. We have a victorious life in which we do not stumble so as to fall, First, 2 Peter 1 and 10. It's a spiritual growth that ensures abundant life now that Jesus has promised. John 10, 10 says, the thief, come, thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. He promised us an abundant life. The blessings continue in the life to come. We'll experience an abundant entrance into the everlasting kingdom, 2 Peter 1 and 11. In some way, our works follow us. Revelation 14, the 13th chapter says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Well, we'll give an answer at that time. And we know, according to 1 Corinthians 15 and 58, that it won't be in vain. We've been talking about growth, but not just any growth, for not all growth is good. The hearts of some will grow dull, Matthew 13, 15. The love of many will grow cold, Matthew 24. There's danger of growing weary in doing good. Sometimes you just get so frustrated with our bread. You try, you try, you try, you help, you help, you help, you do, you do, you do. And they let you down. And you get weary. We can't, we can't, we, got, we have to keep motoring, we have to keep going. Some grow worse. Some are like cancerous cells, and it can be deadly. But we're talking about the growth that's commanded by God, requires our diligent effort, 
It's assisted by God. It's blessed by God. It's this kind of growth that Peter enjoined us in 2 Peter 3.18. And I think that's about the fifth time I've used that verse. Because in this sermon, that is the most powerful verse we could ever imagine. What kind of growth is taking place in our spiritual lives? Is it, is it the deadly kind creating dull hearts? Or is it a vibrant kind of growth in which we're abounding in love and joy and peace, being faithful and fruitful? John asked this morning, where's your passion? Where does it lie? Where's the fire in your belly? Where are the things that prompt us to go out and do the things we're supposed to do? It will enrich not only our lives, but other people. Sometimes this growth is the result of neglect when it's negative. But we want to desire the experience of the blessings of the right kind of growth. And the reason I submit this to you tonight, because we, as I've mentioned so many times, are the core of the congregation because we're the 10 or 12 that we're here consistently on Sunday nights and people want If we, you, 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 and me, don't grow spiritually within and have the ability, capability, and the will to reach out to our other brethren, the other 90 that are here on Sunday morning, and start interacting with them, as well as those that are outside, because it's not just living the life. I try to live a good life as a Christian man. I try to lead the example, and I try to walk circumspectly that when others see me, they recognize the difference, and I hope that's true, that they do see that. But when I talk to other people, we need to begin bringing them to the Lord. Not just letting them see our example, but express to them why we are that example. We need to start rubbing our brethren and touching each other like those sticks in the fire to build that fire and that heat and that growth that we have so that this house will be warmed and filled. Warmed and filled. And we can only do that by touching others. We can't do it alone. Are you making the right choices today and every day? Are you growing spiritually as you should? Do you consider others? Or do you, like me, sometimes get so absorbed in my own little life and the things that are happening to me and the trials that I have and the responsibilities I have to my family and my children and my grandchildren and my vehicles and my business? It's easily slipped away from us, right out of our hands. The next thing you know, you sit complacent. Stagnant. Not going anywhere. I would suggest to you that the first thing you do is pray. Pray. The power of prayer is beyond description. We praise and magnify God with it. We gain forgiveness. We receive our daily bread. And it aids us in the spread of the gospel. Because if you appeal to the God of heaven for knowledge, for grace, for growth, and abundance in those things, he will surely provide opportunity to you to share that with others. So I suggest, brethren, that we get on our spiritual horses and let's get to work. And let's first get this congregation back in shape. Let's get our friends, our relatives, lead the example, share the word, and bring them to Christ. This world will be a much better place and the kingdom of heaven will abound with all those Christians, the ones that we helped to produce the fruits of. That's our command. That's our example. That's our instruction. If you have any needs, 
Now will be the time to give consideration to what you've done with your life, where you need to be. Give consideration to the things that have been said. If you have any particular needs, I would ask you to come now as we stand and sing the invitation song.